Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. It is finally time to unveil Mike Jarecki's top 10 draft prospects for 2022. Of course, none of these players are expected to be available when the Cardinals are on the clock with a 23rd overall pick, but who knows? And who knows what may happen in the future? First, though, A.J. Green is back. And judging by the reaction of the fan base, this may be one of the more polarizing moves of the offseason. It's Cardinals Covered 2, Episode 554, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So we've mentioned this possibility a handful of times. Cliff Kingsbury talked about the possibility at the annual league meeting. It's now official, MJ. A.J. Green is back on a one-year contract. And there was interest with with both parties, and there was some interest outside the uh, the Cardinals organization. But again, you know, as he gets a little bit older and being in the same system, very similar to James Conner, even though Conner got a three-year deal, um, you know, I think he wanted to come back and, and prove that he can put up numbers again in this offense. And I don't think it's going to preclude the uh, the Cardinals from still looking at a receiver. They got to get younger at that position. And but now you have that outside guy. Um, that obviously has size, and you know we'll see what they do with Rondell Moore. It sounds like they want to move him around more, and then you got uh, Antoine Wesley. So it was a matter of time, but uh, but uh, you know I'm glad he's back because I thought he did a nice job. It wasn't perfect, um, but he definitely gave this team a lift. Unfortunately, when Hop went down, not a lot of guys were able to get separation, including AJ Green. 54 catches, 848 yards, three touchdowns as a number two outside wide receiver. Heck, I would take that again this coming season. The problem with A.J. Green, and I understand where the Bird Gang is coming from, it's what our eyes told us versus the numbers, specifically when D-Hop was not on the football field. And I'm guilty as anyone on this because A.J. Green has been in this league for so many years as the guy as the number one wide receiver. All right, so he comes to the Arizona Cardinals in 2021, and now you look, you've got two number ones, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green. So when D-Hop went down, it just seemed like a natural progression. All right, A.J. Green becomes D-Hop. Now, in hindsight, that might have been a little unfair because at this point in his career, and A.J. Green is going to be 34 when this upcoming season begins, A.J. Green is not a number one wide receiver. He's a solid number two, but I don't think what we anticipated or what I expected, I don't think he can be that guy. He can't take an offense and put it on its shoulders like he did for so many years prior to, to coming to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and it was telling when, when Hop went down, he never played on that X receiver on that left side. They kept him on the right side. And again, people are going to go back to the Packers game. There was clearly a miscommunication there. Um, there was a miscommunication in a couple of the games. I want to say the Colts game possibly where he wasn't able to come back for the ball. Um, and, and there was some frustration there. And I thought as the season went on, 
you know, you could see that the, the guy's been in the league a long time. He didn't have the same get off. And, and that's going to happen when you when you start talking about guys 33, 34. And, you know, they, they take care of their veterans during the week. He practices on Wednesday about halfway through on Thursday. He sits out, and that allowed Antoine Wesley to get more reps if Hop's not practicing. So, you know, maybe he's more of a three, um, but he's a guy that he, he, he knows the offense. Um, he's. He's, you know, he does a good job with the 50-50 balls. And just one of the things, he caught a ball out of bounds this year. I mean, he should know down and distance. That that should not happen. But, you know, it's going to happen. They're human. They're not robots. But uh, I would think just being in the system and getting more on the same page with the quarterback, that should help this offense when it comes to extending drives. You wonder how this offense would have looked, and it's something that we've discussed a lot as far as, all right, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't get hurt. He stays healthy the entire time, those final four games into the playoffs, and you had A.J. Green on the other side. You look at Green's numbers, with and without, and we did this before looking at the offense overall, but A.J. Green with DeAndre Hopkins, 37 receptions on 54 targets. That's almost 69% as far as a completion percentage, as far as catching the number of targets. 572 yards, two touchdowns over 10 games. Twice, Green had 100-yard receiving games. That's solid. That's excellent. Now, you take out DeAndre Hopkins. What happens to A.J. Green? 17 receptions on 38 targets. That's less than 45%. For 276 yards, no touchdowns over six games. Twice, he had games of only one catch, and they had no catches against the Rams in the playoffs on three targets. Bird game, that's a lot of numbers right there, but it just shows you, once again, the value of DeAndre Hopkins with respect to not only the Cardinals' offense overall, but the individuals within that offense, specifically A.J. Green. And it's those last handful of games, the way the regular season closed out and the postseason, that people remember the most with respect to A.J. Green. That is a lot of people saying, all right, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Let's find another option. And I totally get it, once again. I'm not going to try to sway you one way or the other, but to your point, he understands, talking about A.J. Green, he understands this offense. He's familiar with this offense. He's familiar with the personnel versus bringing in someone else, an outsider, and trying to get them up to speed. The hope now is, with Kyler Murray and A.J. Green, a second offseason, a second season together, things hopefully run a lot more smoother. Yeah, and you could see the, uh, the, 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 the domino effect once Malik Turner – uh, signed with the 49ers. The Cardinals did have interest. Green did have some interest outside. Um, but, you know, again, is he playing, you know, practicing on grass? What was the other options out there? That, that's big for a guy when you get to his age where you, you wake up in Arizona. Like right now in Green Bay, it's snowing for the, for the strength and conditioning, snowing. You wake up in the sun, your body feels good, and the grass isn't always greener. And, he you know, he's he loves living in Arizona. I mean, likes the organization and the fact that they took a chance on him. So, yeah, I just think things could be a little bit better when it comes to communication. And, you know, again, I I, I just like the fact that you could say this guy is possibly – he has Hall of Fame numbers. You know, we'll worry about that down the road. But at least I, you can sit here and say today the Cardinals have three receivers that they can line up with. Now – uh, Wesley, and then, you know, we'll see about Greg Dorch because I, I was told the staff really likes Dorch, uh, including the head coach. He just feels he's got a skill set, so maybe here's your fifth one. Um, and then Bocelli, and then we'll see what Annie is about. But, 
Now you add another receiver, and all of a sudden now you start stacking some depth there at that position, regardless if it's in the first or second round. Seven wide receivers now on the roster. Same number of tight ends on the roster. So bottom line here is, Bergen, I believe that that front office has been consistently listening to Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> and are, how would we say, the urgency of getting an outside wide receiver, not so much a number two, but just that outside wide receiver, someone with size, and A.J. Green at 6'4", 210, you wanted that big body. Antoine Wesley, probably not quite there yet. You brought up the draft, though. Could a potential outside wide receiver be found in the draft? Absolutely. And even with this move, as we talked about in previous episodes, you bring back A.J. Green or you don't bring back A.J. Green or you sign someone else. You had to address and you have to address wide receiver in this upcoming draft and do it early, whether that's the first round, second round, or third round. Yeah, but I feel better today than maybe over the last couple of weeks. We kept saying help wanted. Cardinals need a number two receiver. Now, again, uh, is he a two and a half, three? But in this offense, he can be your number two receiver. And then eventually Rondell Moore will take that role. And somebody's going to have to take, you know, uh, the targets away from what Christian Kirk did. And we think that's going to be a lot with uh, Zach Ertz. And so to me, Zach Ertz, is he's, he's in the equation when you come to targets and touches and possibly touchdowns. So I feel better about the roster today. And, and again, if they would have been Turner, I would have said, I, I don't know a lot about him. I know that he had three touchdowns. I know more about A.J. Green uh, than I do of Malik Turner. I feel the same way you do. I'm much more – comfortable with this offense now going out tomorrow to play a game if needed because I mean it's always nice to get a new shiny toy and you know there was a lot of good players out there and there still is but we know how difficult this offense is to learn I mean you could have the best wide receiver a great route runner um, route tree but if he doesn't know the coverage and he's got to trust the quarterback it, it that's why you know I thought the Cardinals they struggled that first year. It was difficult to learn the offense. Now that now that it's going to continue to install, you're going in year four, and now you can add tweaks to what your your scheme is and the, the personnel you have around it. AJ Green versus a Jarvis Landry, a Julio Jones, a Will Fuller, some names that are still out there, and some big time names out there. But to your points. Can you understand this offense to where you can contribute right away week one? And A.J. Green last season showed he can, and now you just hope in year two things are better, not only on the field and on the stat sheet, but just what we see from a fan standpoint outside looking in. He's a plug-and-play guy. Julio Jones, he has, has injuries. Now, at the, at the end of the day, if this team was, you know, in contention and needed a player, I mean, last year, you know, Beckham was out there, obviously, but – um, Will Fuller, he can't stay healthy. I mean, you look at his – I mean, if they would have signed him, I would have been fine because he's he's that tall receiver that can take the top off a defense. But there's a reason why he's still out there. Um, but a lot of these guys, they, they got blemishes on him. And, again, we know what A.J. Green can bring to the table, and he's only going to help this offense. Well, let's go back to what Kingsbury had to say at the annual league meeting. Quote, we love what he brought to us last year, and I think another year in our system, Kyler and him building his relationship will be really good. End quote. 
that speaks not only to a year, second year, but also a coach maybe understanding, hey, all right, I've seen A.J. Green. Now how can we better incorporate him within the offense and utilize his skill set? Because he does do something that DeAndre Hopkins doesn't do, and that as far as being that tall, wide receiver that can high point a ball even if he's covered, double teamed, and still come down with the football. Oh, he made some great catches. I mean, I know he made some catches on the sidelines. I mean, no, he's he's a big target. And the fact that, you know, he's one of those guys that's, you know, savvy. Um, he knows what it's like to go against some of these defensive backs just because of his experience. So, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, you know, you're always looking to, to obviously upgrade a certain position. But where this team is, and he's he was part of the 10-2 uh, the, the team and the 7-0 and team, so why not? I mean, and, and, it's, and has he lost a step? I, I don't know that. I just know towards the end of the year, you could see he wasn't as fast as he was, and I think that's the case for anybody when you start getting up there in age. To your last point as far as what this team did a year ago, you look back and we've been talking about it because there hasn't been a lot of outside moves. It's been retaining your own free agents and bringing back guys 16 roster moves. If you start with the Zacherts re-signing, 16 roster moves. 12 have been retaining players from last season, including nine unrestricted free agents, A.J. Green being the ninth unrestricted free agent. Drew Grigson, recently on the Big Red Rage, he's the Cardinals' director of player personnel, quote, the way we put the team together, I like. We had an 11-win team, and we keep re-signing the guys who helped us get 11 wins that are part of the culture, end quote. Again, that is on the most recent episode of the Big Red Rage, Drew Grigson talking with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley. So you look, this team, without anyone saying it, looks at 2021 and realizes that they are the 11-win team and not the 1-5 in team because everything that we've seen so far, MJ, is – a team that looks back after taking a step back at the conclusion of the regular season and the postseason game against the Rams, figuring out that, all right, maybe we're not that far off, even though how disappointing the finish was to last season. Yeah, but we, we know, you know, injuries played a factor when they won in five. Um, but, hey, listen, if teams are going to adapt to Kyler Murray in the second half of the season, the Cardinals have to counter. I mean, this is this this is a deep dive they have to do. You can And, listen, the Cardinals may win 11 games. They may have a better uh, t- team this year, but the schedule is daunting, daunting. I mean, uh, and, again, to me, I've learned the NFL is week to week. We could sit here and say they're going to win this game, they're going to win this game. It's week to week. We, we've seen the Colts um, – not getting to the playoffs because they lost to Jacksonville. I mean, Cardinals against Detroit. I mean, it's it's a week-to-week proposition. So they may have a better team and still finish with 11 wins, um, but you gotta you gotta you gotta avoid the pitfalls at the end of the season because I'd rather lose early now and not have that target on your back. And you know, we'll we'll see when the schedule comes out, primetime games. You know what they what they finish up with, but. You just can't have that, and you got to be playing your best football. And and, and and injuries, you know, missing DeAndre Hopkins and missing J.J. Watt, those are that was two big uh, additions in the last couple of years. That you just need those guys to be on the field, and you need your five-star players to play like five-star players. You look at the loss on Monday Night Football to the Rams. That was a one-possession loss. The inexplicable loss at Detroit. 
You lose at home to the Colts. That was a one-possession loss. You lose at home to the Seahawks to close out the regular season with so much on the line. That was a one-possession loss. And then it was a team that no one recognized against the Rams in the wild-card round. There is a fine line between winning and losing, a play here, a play there, an injury here, an injury there, yet what last season told us to the finish, that one-in-five finish, coaches have to adapt, adjust, players, i.e. Kyler Murray, when the weight of the world is on your shoulders and the big stage, that's what you live for, that's what you play for, you have to step up your game. And not enough of that happened last season. Yeah, well said. And let's be honest, uh, their depth got questioned um, in the second half, maybe down the stretch when they were losing these games. I mean, Marco Wilson, guys were running wide open. Um, you know, obviously Byron Murphy wasn't the same player. So um, they got to do a deep dive, but that's the reason why they're bringing all these guys back. But they they got to find a way to to finish. I mean, let's be honest, if you really look at this team, the offensive line wasn't as good as they were in the second half as the first. Um, there were times that because they were scoring 30 points and putting up over 400 yards, they were getting gashed in the run game. That did not improve throughout the course of the year. Yeah, we always look at it average per carry, first and second down. Uh, you're you're going to give up a long run at some point, but the key is to get get these teams in third and long, and that wasn't the case. So th- there's there's a lot of things that need, need, need to be fixed, and that's the reason why they're going to be back in the facility this week and start working towards that. Yeah, the off-season strength and conditioning program begins this week. It's voluntary. Hopefully, everyone shows up. Maybe everyone shows up. Again, you're going to hear a lot voluntary. It's not mandatory. Only the mandatory part is minicamp. Yet, if you want to get better, if you want to have an extended run postseason, most teams have good participation in their off-season program, whether that's the strength and conditioning part or the OTAs. When you get to know each other, on and off the field, and you work on chemistry, if you will. You're not going full speed. You put in the work now to enjoy success later. Yeah, I got to think if you're a futures contract guy or you're a guy that's a fringe player, you know, you should be here. Now, uh, Aaron Rodgers is not going to the strength and conditioning program. Um, The Packers started today. So, um, to me, uh, you know, if, if guys want to work out on their own, I get it. It's not like you, you got five, six new guys on offense and defense. They got to learn new. You got to learn your new teammates. Um, but I do think OTAs are very important in, in the, the the mandatory um, camp and then the rookie camp. And you know, so again, I'm not going to freak out about the uh, strength and conditioning program because. You know, guys are working out back there, and then once they come here, they're going to have to – but they have, they have to be here at some point. I just – I'm not going to freak out about the strength and conditioning program. I won't either, and there will be people that do based off what is reported, what pictures, what we hear, what we see. But the bottom line is you just – you're not going to know anything until the regular season begins. And if you perform well in the regular season, then all of a sudden the off season doesn't matter as much or you can go, look, oh, yeah, that's when it all began. And on the flip side – Regular season doesn't go well. Well, they needed to put more work in the off season. I mean, it, yeah, you you can't win either way. Yeah, and and last year, you know, we got a chance to see Cliff. Um, obviously, with the promotion with Sean Coogler, we saw Cliff become more of a head coach. Uh, that's when I saw this offense, and you saw James Conner and Chase Evans, how fast and how, what great shape they were, and Christian Kirk, and you know, obviously Hop was out there. And then you get the training camp, and you just look, wow, this thing is like a 
well-oiled machine, and that's the way they started the season. But um, whatever happened last year, you hit the reset button, and now you got to respect the process. And guys got to get to work. But, you know, I think it's important for, you know, Zayvon Collins and, you know, just to be around, you know. I, the rules, Craig, you, the players can't go on the field and throw the ball around yet? If they, I do not believe they can. I know no coaches can be on the field with players. Right. And that's why I think you're seeing teams do it away from the facility. I could be wrong. So, in other words, they're going to say, well, shouldn't the quarterback be here to throw to the receiver? I don't, I don't, it's strength and condition. You're basically going out there and running sprints, and you're lifting weights. You can do that anywhere. Yes. Especially if you, you – a lot of guys don't – a lot of guys live here, but at the end of the day, you know, people obviously have a vacation home or they have an off-season home, so uh, I'm not going to freak out about that. azcardinals.com for more information on the off-season. And speaking of the off-season, and to your point, MJ, the process of uh, moving past last season and getting better towards 2022 – Cardinals Flight Plan, presented by SeatGeek, returns April 19th, episode number one, titled Card Core. You can hear from owner Michael Bidwell on the disappointment on how last season ended, and yes, Kyler Murray, plus James Conner, Zach Ertz, Max Williams, all discuss their returns. Again, season five, episode one, Cardinals Flight Plan, available on the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. Looking forward to that behind the scenes on what happens in the offseason and then looking ahead to the regular season of 2022. We'll see how many more new faces get added to the team because, MJ, we are less than two weeks away from the 2022 NFL Draft. Less than two weeks away. How many hours have we discussed the 2022 NFL draft yet it does seem like it is here sooner rather than later and maybe that's just because of the way of the regular season and how much hurt there was following the playoff game that the draft just kind of kept getting pushed pushed further and further away now it's now it's here it's front and center yeah and usually you know you wait a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl and then all of a sudden you have the combine and then you had measurables um, but the flight plan a lot of stuff you see, we see for the first time, and they do a great yep. job, you know, capturing the moment behind the scenes where they only have that kind of access. So we'll see the trailer like you will, but when the flight plan comes out, it's it's always interesting because you can they they try to show you stories and personalities, and you get to know the person versus only just a player. YouTube.com slash AZ Cardinals again. Cardinals flight plan presented by SeatGeek returns April nineteenth. All right, let's get into it. Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects, his big board. We are down to the final 10 players. We've been counting it down over the last several weeks. You can go to past episodes, look up the archives. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But 10 players remain on your big board, MJ. And we begin at number 10, Florida State defensive end Jermaine Johnson, the second 6'5", 262, a senior, someone who performed very well during the regular season and also during the uh, senior bowl. Oh, he was unblockable. And his wingspan's about 83. He ran a 4.58. Um, you know, talking about a guy that's 259 pounds, about 6'5". Uh, he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He had 12 sacks, sixth in college football, third in the power five. 
Um, you know, he's been he's a guy that's uh, had a chance to play at Georgia his first two years, and then he went to Florida State. He played 12 games last year, 34 tackles, 70 total, 18 tackle for losses, 12 sacks. He did have 12 quarterback hits. I mean, he again. This this we we talk about you know Aiden Hutchinson and you know you look at uh, Thibodeau. Um, and then you got some defensive linemen, but th- this guy—I mean, I—I—I I, I th- I don't think he'll be there at 23, but he would look good in the Cardinal uniform. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. He kind of fills out the uniform. Daniel Jeremiah on Johnson during the Senior Bowl practices. He wrote, "He knows how to use his strength to generate power off the edge," and I thought he showed a nice inside counter move this week. That was Daniel Jeremiah on Johnson's Senior Bowl work. Facts, you look at Johnson being available at number 23. Todd McShay's first mock draft had Johnson pegged to the Cardinals at 23. Now we're talking back in January. A lot happens between then and now, but it was one of those players, as they say, rises and falls during the course of several weeks in the offseason without even playing a game. Jermaine Johnson might be the biggest riser of anyone here in 2022. Yeah, and according to Lance Zerline, his comp is Max Crosby. So, I mean, you know, you look at it um, broad through the shoulders, impressive wingspan, look thicker and stronger in his lower half in 2021, explodes his hips into initial contact, uh, length to separate and stay alive in place. Um, you know, he plays hard and fast, uh, rarely stays on, uh, gets blocked. And those are the guys that, you know, you, you look at them and, and yes, you, you want to be a three-down linebacker. But he's a guy that's going to have a long career as long as he can stay healthy. The inconsistent approach is attacking run design, gets uh, outside his coverage at times, needs to be more consistent with his sets. Um, according to sources, um, they, an AFC team, I thought his 2020 tape was very was pretty impressive. So what he do with more snaps and playing time wasn't a surprise to me, unquote. He lived in opponents' backfields. Shooter brought up the 18 tackles for loss, 12 sacks. So Jermaine Johnson, one of those stud defensive players that you're going to hear called early in this upcoming draft. Another defensive player that for some might be the best defensive player as far as athleticism and skill set checks in at number nine on Mike Jarecki's big board. Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. He's a junior. You don't see safeties drafted very high, but – this might be the exception to the rule. Yeah, I mean, you look at him, he's 6'4", 220. He ran a 4.59. His broad, his vertical was 6'38". Uh, uh, suffered a seizing injury at his right uh, towards the end of the year. Um, but again, 2021 second team All-American AP, 2020 third team. Second team, um, he started seven games before suffering an injury. He tied the team with three interceptions. He was a team captain. Um, you know, he's he's played in 31 games. He started 19. Um, he has eight interceptions. He had three last year. He does have an interception return for a touchdown. Uh, 16 passes break up, two quarterback hits. So, you know, you, you look at a team that maybe have multiple picks in the round. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying he's Sean Taylor. Usually you don't see safeties go that high, but he's got all the attributes, and I think he, when you look at him, he can do a lot of different things. Well, picks or teams with picks, multiple picks, especially in those top ten. I mean, the Giants right now picks fifth and seventh. 
I could certainly see one of those picks going with a defensive player as far as – I wouldn't say a reach. Even, but the, even the Jets. I think the Jets want to get a receiver, and they got multiple picks. Yeah, Jets at 4 and 10. Yeah, so you ready for the comp? Sure. Cam, Cam Chancellor. Now, according to uh, – Scouting director for the NFC team, really great kid. needs to, uh, needs to love the weight room a little bit more. He's going to have to get bigger. I wouldn't play him at linebacker because I think actually it limits his impact. He's a better pure talent than Isaiah Simmons was coming out. Unquote. Okay, so Kyle Hamilton in at number nine. At number eight, a wide receiver, USC pass catcher Drake London, Jr. Six five two ten. Still some question marks with him, and the biggest question mark is just how healthy he is. He did not run at USC's Pro Day, had his own Pro Day. In fact, I think they pushed back the USC Pro Day. He still did not run at that Pro Day as far as a 40 is concerned. He said, everyone, go look at the tape. But Drake London certainly passes the eyeball test as far as a six foot five frame, 210 pounds, and what he did with his hands last season at USC. He missed the final four games. He fractured his ankle. Um, he was a third-team Associated Press Pac-12 Conference Offensive Player of the Year. Um, that was back in uh, 2021. He played at tw- he's played in 27 games, 23 starts, 160 receptions, close to 2,100 yards, 15 touchdowns. He had seven this previous season, even though he did miss four games. Um, you know, he played uh, USC basketball in 2019 and 20 following the football season. Uh, really didn't play a whole lot, and he, f- he started to focus on football. But you look at him, his comparison is Ed McCaffrey, longtime uh, Bronco uh, who obviously, you know, had a – really good career he's big long possession receiver the ability to uh, play outside from the slot he lacks um, a little bit of a desire to win off press coverage but he's got elite size Um, he's a workaholic he spends a lot of time in the weight room uh, takes control the catch space he so he can catch at all three levels he can catch uh, the flat uh, the intermediate routes and he can take the top off the defense it says he lacks desired foot uh, quickness out of his release Trouble eluding uh, route uh, redirection in space. Sources say that he, um, I think he's going to going to test better than people think, um, but I doubt he runs. I don't care how fast he is. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be against it, but because his ball skills are really special. Unquote. You just look at his size, and we talked about AJ Green earlier here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Green six four two ten. London, 6'5", 210, that big target, and you just wonder, you know, all right, how's his hands? But averaging 12.3 yards to catch, all-state basketball player in high school, so the athleticism is there now making it full-time in the National Football League as a player as far as uh, giving up that uh, basketball background. Yeah, and, and, you know, we'll see how many receivers go in the top 10, top 15, top 20. I mean, uh, it'd be interesting because, you know, couple quarterbacks so I mean you know I think when you look at the Ohio State receivers he's probably in that same boat and then you look at Jameis uh, Williams from uh, Alabama. We'll get to Wilson in a moment but before we get to Wilson a defender checking in at number seven LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. 6'1", 195 someone who people have been waiting for since he was a consensus All-American as a freshman 
has not played a lot over the past two seasons, just 10 games because of injuries, but someone that people are very high on when you look at the cornerback position. Yeah, he's, he started three games, missed the rest of the season, undergoing surgery on his injured left foot. Uh, he was first team all SEC back in 2020. He's six feet, 195 pounds. Um, he's the grandson of the late NFL wide receiver Daryl Stingley. Um, you know, he's on that freak list from uh, uh, Bruce Feldman or poorly a 4340, 42 vert, 428 uh, shuttle. Now, again, you look at his numbers, um, he's played in 25 games. You know, he had um, six interceptions. Um, he had 20 pass breakups, but th- those, those were more in 2019 and 2020. Uh, obviously, he has all the attributes. It's just a matter of um, you're not drafting him for one year. He is one of the top corners in football. Well, and you look at past cornerbacks and secondary players from LSU. Immediate top of mind, Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, two players that the Cardinals drafted, and that's – here we talk about certain positions in certain colleges, DBU. Yeah, that's LSU. Yeah, and you know he uh, the comp is Stefan Gilmore, who recently signed with the Colts. Another name off the board as far as cornerback availability. Yeah, and you know that team was they were they were ready last year. Unfortunately, they lost the last game. But big name Matt Ryan. But anyways, he's a cornerback prototype, all measurables in one package. His 2019 shows a player with everything a team could want at corner: long arms, oily hips, and for press coverage, anticipates out breaking routes, and looks to undercut. So this guy obviously is is, is well coached there. I know they've made changes at the staff, but you could see, as Craig pointed out, um, it's one of those schools where they put a lot of defensive backs in, just similar to Washington. He's he's played in just 10 games over the past two seasons. Tape was good enough um, from 2020 to 21. Um, you know, he's in, inconsistent finding the football over the last couple of years. But again, he, he according to the scout, he plays much bigger than people realize. I think he'll play too heavy in 2020. His best, his best pro weight should be around 205 pounds, and he's still really fast, and he's got the weight to uh, uh, the size to carry it. When healthy, and this is always key, but when healthy, that freshman season, six interceptions, 21 passes defensed. And if he, you know, had come out then, who knows, but uh, staying around for two more seasons and just that inconsistent availability as far as being available on the football field – People still go back to that freshman season and look at his tape and kind of use that as the measuring stick as opposed to what he did the past two seasons. Yeah, he he played in 15 games, and obviously when you, when you get a chance to play in the national championship game, um, you know, he had 38 tackles, as you mentioned, um, you know, six interceptions, um, you know, pass breakups, a forced fumble. But, yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, he, he came out of uh, Louisiana, well, Baton Rouge, and he stayed there. But he's been a, he's been a guy that's been uh, touted a lot for a long time, and now it's, we'll, we'll see where he goes in the draft. So Derek Stingley, Jr. at number seven, continuing our countdown. Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects were down to the final 10 at number six. We teased it earlier, but another wide receiver, Ohio State wideout Garrett Wilson, checks in at number six. Can go either way. Wilson's a little bit smaller than the Drake London, six feet versus six five, one ninety two versus two ten. But there are a lot of people that have Garrett Wilson as their number one wide receiver in this draft. 
Yeah, he, he appeared in um, 19 games uh, last year. He played in 11. He had 70 catches for 1,000 yards, averaged 15, won a catch, 12 touchdowns. He also returns uh, punts, and so he gives you a little flexibility there. Second team, Associated Press, um, and second team, all Big Ten Conference. Um, he played 14 games as a reserve, his 2019, but he this guy's been a touchdown machine over the last couple of years. Actually, you start looking at the last two years, he has 18 touchdowns. Of course, he did have 12 in this previous season. And those 12 tied for the eighth most in the country, and whichever team lands Garrett Wilson, you're also going to have an answer at punt return. He is a return specialist as well. Yeah, he made 27 catches for 371 yards, six touchdowns over his last three games. He's got a decisive uh, speed, seems a surprise in single coverage. I mean, he, he, he you just watch him on tape. And going in, um, when you look at Chris uh, Alave, um, I was told that maybe some of the scouts in the building liked Alave better, but when they went to the pro day, they thought, Garrett Wilson may have a little bit more upside. So when you get you can watch the film, but when you see it in person, it's a little bit different. So um, I think going in, they had a different thought, but I think it's pretty even right now. And again, I don't think one of these two or one of the, both of those guys will not get to the Cardinals. Olave, by the way, number fifteen on your big board. And when we talk about Garrett Wilson, like Drake London, a college or excuse me, a high school basketball player. Didn't play any college ball at Ohio State, but did receive several Division One college basketball scholarship offers coming out of high school. So you're seeing a lot of those football players playing basketball in high school as well. Yeah. His mother's name is Candace of football. Sometimes it's fun to just go out physically and dominate someone. That's uh, that's that's what she said about her son. He he literally go out there and knock you down. All right, so Garrett Wilson, number six on Mike Jarecki's big board. Let's go. We've got five left. Number five, Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker, a junior who now, according to mock drafts, could be number one going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but someone very impressive and an explosive player as a defensive end. Yeah, I mean, he, he ran a 4.51. He's 6'5", 275 pounds. His vertical was uh, 30, uh, 35-5. You know, you look at his production, he, he's on a team, obviously, has really quality players. He had career sacks, six, seven tackle for losses. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. I mean, he, he played in 15 games last year. He had 37 tackles, seven, ta- seven and a half tackle for losses, of six sacks, a couple pass breakups. You know, it's depend what you're looking for now. Jacksonville went out and they um, they franchise tag their left tackle. They went out and got uh, Brandon Scherf. So you would think they go defense. Um, um, you know, uh, Aiden Aiden uh, Hutchinson is visiting the Lions today, so they're, they're hoping that you know it's a hometown kid and they would love to see him. But I think I think Jacksonville's definitely going defense um, instead of going offensive line, even though there's got, there's some quality offensive linemen we're going to get into. Walker, a defensive end, has the ability to play inside, and during the pro day at Georgia, did go through some linebacker drills as well. So showing some versatility, but I think a lot of people like that size, that six foot five, two seventy five frame as a defensive edge coming off the line of scrimmage and getting into the backfield. Yeah, the c- comparisons, Chris Warmly, 
Uh, this is Walker's big uh, uh, run-stopper playing with the body type to play in a 3-4 defensive end. He can also line up consistently, outreaches blockers, takes on control. He's big, long, powerful at the point of attack, excellent understanding how to create leverage, transfers power hips and hands to lift the opponent's pads. Violent hands creates a jarring pop when he hits you. That's impressive, certainly being able to hear that pop for those that watch, you know, either the pro day or you're on the field during uh, pregame warm-up. So Trevon Walker, number five, and at number four, Cincinnati cornerback Ahmed Gardner. And you're going, who's that? Sauce. Sauce. He goes by (laughs) Sauce. In fact, on NFL.com, on his draft profile page, it does say Sauce Gardner. That's how he's referred to, not by Ahmed. But Sauce Gardner, number four, and the top-rated cornerback here in 2022. Yeah, 6'3", 200 pounds. He ran a 4-4-1. You know, that's a tall corner. He was 2001 first-team AP All-American, 2001 American Athletic Conference Player of the Year, three-time First team All American conference. So for basically the last three years, um, he's played in. Uh, you know, he's, he's played in 37 games. He started. He started 22 over the last two years. He has 99 tackles, five tackle for losses, three and a half sacks, nine interceptions. He actually had three. He's and he also has two touchdown return for t- um, pick sixes, four, uh, 18 pass breakups, couple quarterback hits. So. Um, he, he, I don't. I think he's going to be the, one of the first corners off the board. Um, him and Stingley. Um, he's got he's got all the attributes. Um, his nickname is Sauce. It came from his youth football coach, A.K.A. Coach Tez, who he he described him as extra sauce on the field. <laughs> his mother Alice calls her son by his government his government name, brother Alante. I I I find this. Uh, keep fascinating, yeah. Because it's not a you know you go to Cincinnati and it's not one of those Power Five conferences, but it's a school that certainly over the last several years has elevated its reputation in college football to where now all of a sudden you have Sauce Gardner on your big board number four. Yeah, and and you got to give Luke Fickle a lot of credit. A lot of people thought maybe he's going to get the USC job. Now they they they've done a really good job, and he came from Ohio State, and you know Ryan Day's done a really good job, so they. You know they're 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 on the rise. It's just like I think Texas A&M is, but you're right. Uh, Cincinnati under Luke Fickle, they are in the college football playoff. They you know to the very end there. Obviously, you know when you play at one of the Power Five conferences, it's probably not going to go as, as you planned. And by the way, Sauce not lacking for confidence. A recent tweet <laughs> quote: "I'm the best player in the draft." So, hey, that you 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 have to have that yes. mindset playing corner like. Yeah, We'll see. I mean, he's he's got the size, and you know, uh, he didn't play in the SEC. But again, um, they played against uh, the, uh, good teams down the stretch when they had to get in the playoffs. All right, three more names to unveil at number three: Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal, six seven three fifty, a three-year starter, someone that is going to be drafted and plugged in right away. At the tackle spot, six seven three fifty. Okay, he's he's played in forty one games. He started all forty one games. Um, pass block snaps fourteen hundred and twenty five. He's only given up five sacks, five sacks. And according to uh, our guy Bruce Feldman, he, he reportedly box jumped forty eight. He benched four hundred and seventy pounds. He squat six fifty, and he hit eighteen point five miles. Uh, on a GPS. This guy's six seven, three fifty. 
It's a big boy who, again, we talk about the tackle position, but did also start 13 games at left guard in 2019, 13 games at right tackle in 2020, one career snap at right guard. So versatile, but he's going to be plugged in at one of the two tackle positions. Yeah, he uh, he's much quicker after dropping 15 pounds in the offseason. Um, you know, he, this is what the executive for an NFC team said. He'll be a good pro, but I don't see him the best tackle to come out in the, of this class. He's getting an Alabama push from the media, in my opinion, unquote, okay. which is fair. Semifinalist for the Outland Trophy and Lombardi Award, Evan Neal, number three. Number two, another offensive tackle, North Carolina State's Ikem Ekwanu, otherwise known as Icky, but another big boy, not nearly as big as Neil, but Icky 6'4", 320, and again, a physical freak as far as what he's able to do as far as drills are concerned, but you like what he's able to do at the left tackle position, does have some experience at left guard. Yeah, and you look at him, 1,256 uh, pass block snaps, he only gave up 10 sacks, he only gave up three last year. He's appeared in 31 games. Um, you know, you look at him, 2001 first team All-P, um, All-American Outland Trophy finalist, and then in 2020, um, he's got the size. Obviously, you know, maybe, you know, the NC State, um, I don't think the Cardinals will have any options to pick him up, but, you know, you look at him as a, just as a whole um, – Kalechi Omaselli um, from the was it Ravens. He that's the comp there. Excellent locker room with culture building personality traits to fit any blocking scheme. A wrestler in weight room success shows up front, flips on run blocks. Sources uh, sources say I like watching. It's like watching Greg Robinson all over again. He came out of Auburn. He's got the same rawness and protection and power in the run game. He is more a uh, thoughtful player and likely uh, he'll be able to play for a long time in the NFL. Nicknamed Icky by his former youth football coach because he looked like former Bengals running back oh Icky Woods. <laughs> That's a big boy. No longer – this was a youth Oh, nickname. okay. No longer the size or the physicality of a, uh, of a running back anymore, not when you're 6'4", 320. So, uh, all right, so one name to go. Number one on Mike Jarecki's big board. Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, I wouldn't say a consensus number run around the league, but maybe the most consistent name many people have put at the top of mock drafts. And it's the one that finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting, first team AP All-American, Big Ten most valuable player, defensive player of the year, and defensive lineman of the year, talking about Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, I mean, it's... you would think he's going to be the first overall pick in the draft, but I, I think Trayvon Walker and I, I don't I don't think Jacksonville is going to take a lineman. So I I mean, and again he is visiting uh, the Lions and they would love to have him. As you mentioned, uh, won the uh, Lombardi Award, the Ted Hedricks Award, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, First Team All P uh, AP. Um, you know, you look at his um, – he's not related to former Michigan NFL star Stephen Hutchison, but his father, Chris, was an All-American defensive line and captain at Michigan, five-time uh, champ, never lost to Ohio State. Chris signed with Belichick and Nick Saban uh, when he worked for the Browns. So he's, he's got some family um, history there. Uh, according to Bruce Feldman, his, he ran a 6.37 on the three-cone, 36-vert, and his shuttle at 
20 yards, which, you know, sometimes you got to run down the field with four. Uh, the numbers pop out really. Um, he only played three games in 2020, so he came back and played 14 last year. Um, throughout his career, he's played in 43, um, 160 total tackles, 28 tackle for losses. Last year, he had 14 sacks. Uh, prior to that, he only had four and a half in 2019. 11 pass breakups, 17 quarterback hits, forced fumbles, and, and four fumble recoveries. So this guy's in the compass Kyle Vandenbosch, and that's that's when you look at Kyle Vandenbosch, now he wasn't a first-round pick, but these guys don't take plays off. These guys are, work out in the weight room. These guys are built a little bit different where, you know, they, they want to take your head off when they put that helmet on. You mentioned the injury he suffered his junior season, a leg fracture that required surgery. So three games as a junior comeback for his senior season and just dominated, winning virtually every award on the defensive side of the ball. Now has put his name in the mix to be called first by Commissioner Roger Goodell. Yeah, and according to um, an executive for the NFC, it won't be close between him and Kayvon Thibodeau. Hutch is a dude. He's a worker. He's stronger. He's more productive. He knows how to play both facets of the game. You Rushing. know what you're getting out of him. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that, you know, and he, Michigan, they had a really good team this year and maybe got overshadowed just based on, you know, the other talent he had on that side of the ball or maybe the offense this year because Harbaugh finally found a quarterback. But Michigan, they, they that defense kept him in a lot of games, and he was very productive. Now, in the bowl game, you could see that he, that he was a target. He didn't really play as well, and people were questioning that. But all week you knew that he was going to be a guy that they're going to have to try to contain, and they did a good job in the bowl game. All right, MJ, how do you feel? The top 50 draft prospect, Mike Jarecki, big board, has been unveiled over these last several weeks here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and it's 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 not a mock draft. Um, I like doing this exercise. Uh, this this year was a little bit more difficult, though, just because, you know, when you get the Boses coming out and Quentin Williams and, you know, Kyler Murray and, you know, uh, even Mario Williams back in the day, and y y you think there can't miss prospects. But this year, I mean, Again, if you go from maybe 20 to 45, depending on what you like, I think that the grades are very similar across the board. I mean, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a Pro Bowl player. Last year we had a couple of rookies make the Pro Bowl. Um, it's not mean doesn't mean we're not going to get a Hall of Famer for this class, but it, it, it's really a meat and potatoes draft depending on what you want. If you missed any of these unveilings, we did 10 at a time. Just go to the archives where you ever – you get and download Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But it is in the books, and now we kind of wait to see how these names are announced coming up one week or in one week's time. But there's there's one name I know you want to do uh, touch on again, Purdue outside linebacker George Karloftis, who checked in at number 20. But as we say, there's still a lot of research that goes into these picks and not so much that you want to change where you have him slotted, just a little bit more information on Karloftis. Yeah, when I when I when I looked at him, and I, I didn't know if you know if he's more of a four three or a three four guy, but he can play his hand in the dirt. He's one of those guys that he really had a really good pro day, and you know I started sniffing around, and, and he did come in for a visit. Not that I was able to see him, but you know obviously you can bring in thirty players, and a lot of times you know it's, it's come as smokescreen, but. 
if he's there at 23 and you don't you don't address it in free agency, and I know you know maybe because AJ Green, maybe you feel like the receivers are deep enough, you get one there. Uh, maybe with uh, Jeff uh, Gladney, uh, maybe you don't need a corner there. Clearly, you need a pass rusher, and this guy would be perfect. Uh, for the next four or five years, uh, you know, the they, the comp is uh, Ryan Kerrigan. So if you watch Ryan Kerrigan in Washington, now he's in Philadelphia. Um, I just don't want to poo-poo it to where I. To me, you find out what his skill set it, and you, he's got to fit your scheme. But I, when I initially said it, I didn't think he could fit the scheme, but now I'm starting to hear he, there's a lot of things he can do, and their teams are encouraged with that. One or nine, well, not didn't win, but was the finalist for the Ted Hendricks Award, which is given to the nation's best defensive end, but has the ability to be that stand-up outside linebacker. In fact, Smell Kuyper Jr., first mock draft, going back a couple of weeks, had Karloftis to the Cardinals at number 23. So not out of the realm of possibility that that might be a name mentioned on day one of the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, you know, he opted out of the bowl game to get ready for the draft, but uh, you look, just look at it from an analytics, uh, analytics standpoint or analyze it. He's a guy that, you know, he 21 on the bench, 30, 38 um, vertical, uh, four, 4.3 shuttle. That's not bad. He's just very active. And, 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 and again, Ryan Kerrigan, Kyle Vandenbosch, these guys just they don't they don't take plays off. That's, that's how it is. But he, he's a guy that he will be drafted. It's just everyone's in love with some of these other pass rushers than him. Um, but I do think, you know, if he's there at 23, I think the Cardinals are going to have to make a decision there. Well, speaking of the draft, Thursday, April 28th, the Cardinals 2022 draft party presented by Arizona Ford Dealers taking place on the Great Lawn outside State Farm Stadium from 4 until 9. Admission and parking are both free. You go to azcardinals.com for more information. If you want to be out and about, Bird Gang, first time since 2019 that the Cardinals have had a draft party out on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. Yeah, you look at Karofalos, um you, you look at his size, Craig, 6'4", 275, right? Aiden Hutchinson, 6'6", 265. So he's a little bit heavier, um, but also packs more of a punch. So just a kind of comparison. But, you know, hey, listen, if they don't address that position, and they can go Wyatt um, or Davis, D-line. D because, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Um, clearly Marcus Golden's going to be a starter, but then you got Kennard and uh, Victor DiMichichi. They're going to be your backups. So you gotta add an, you got to add another starter there to that mix. I don't think there's any question and much like the wide receiver position sign a veteran, i.e. A.J. Green, draft a young player. I think that's what the Cardinals need to do at edge rusher and we'll see whether that happens before the draft or they wait until after the draft. Yeah, and, and we got some unfortunate uh, news and, and, and again uh, when it comes to Kylie uh, Fitz he announced his retirement um, because of concussions. Uh, he was a great locker room guy, very smart. Uh, he cut his teeth, uh, you know, playing on special teams. So you, you pray for him, and he obviously dealt with it last year. And so it, it's, it's, you know, he's doing, he's making the right call for him and his family. He's only 27 years old, but really a nice guy, and just he fit in that locker room. He was never about a me guy. He was always a team guy. So 
Um, I'm going to miss him just from a standpoint of because we, when we start looking at the backup linebackers, he was always in the mix and he was always playing on teams. Yeah, a standout core special teams player the past three seasons with the Cardinals, only six games last season. He posted this on Instagram, quote, due to too many concussions and the severity of my recent one, it is no longer safe for me to continue to play. I am so grateful for this game and everything it has taught and brought into my life. 27 years old, sixth-round pick of the Bears in 2018, but he is calling it a career after four seasons. Yeah, was he one of those guys they claimed when they had the, the first claim? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'd have to look back on that. I know what Tanner Vallejo was. Yeah. I think Fitz, he's always kind of been in this system. I, again, I six-round pick, but – he carved out a nice career. Obviously, probably doesn't you know spend his money lavishly. He's got a great family, so um, you know, 27 years old. Hopefully, you know, there's something he can do where he doesn't have to put that helmet on anymore. Another shout-outs and another retirement. Cardinals longtime equipment manager Mark Allmeyer, 41 years stepping away. Someone, one of the few that actually joined the Cardinals when the team was still in St. Louis. He's been with the organization since 1981. Twice named the NFL Equipment Manager of the Year. Congratulations to Mark Allmeyer, a name that not many Cardinal fans are aware of, but one of those that works hard behind the scenes that players certainly know and respect because it's those people behind the scenes that allow the players to do what they do on the football field. Yeah, um, Michael Bidwell did a nice tribute for him in the cafeteria, and this is the first time I've been in the cafeteria. The cafeteria was packed, players, coaches, Cliff went up there and spoke. Um, and then, you know, they had a couple of videos from Tim Delaney, um, and one was Joe Buck. Um, Joe Buck was a ball boy at the age of 15 and 16. He didn't know what it was like to work a day in his life. And Mark put him to work and he, he got great respect because it taught him, you know, to be on time, this stuff that, you know, obviously he grew up around the ballpark. And that was fascinating. And he, and, and Mark made the uh, Peter King column today. Uh, and then they had Larry Fitzgerald. So really it was two ball boys. Larry Fitzgerald was a ball boy. And Larry was- All three if you count Michael as well. That's true. Yeah, that's right. And and Larry is really good. Just you know, when he got drafted, and you know, they had Anquan Bolden. And he, he, you know, he obviously he, the people knew that he had a relationship with Danny Green, being the ball boy. And, and, and he said he didn't really know anybody. And when he came here, Mark kind of sat down and explained the, the the history of the franchise to him. And he said it was good because I, you know, I don't I didn't know anybody. I didn't go out in public. So when I came here, I can be myself. And I got the chance to meet him. And he he can't tell you all the times that you know you know because he's the guy that set, um, packs the bags for the uniforms. Um, you know sometimes Larry had you know diff changed different shoes, so can't say enough. But uh, and, and actually Michael flew in pizza from St. Louis, so that's how big of a deal with this was. Now the the really the last guy standing is Jeff Herndon, and he's he's the only other one that came from St. Louis. So I mean between you know machine. Stein, Mark, Omo, Omo's father. I mean, it's it's a change of guard. Mark Almeyer, 823 games and worked with more than 3,600 players. Seven different presidents. <laughs> Longevity. He he is ready. I think. Quite the career for Mark Almeyer. We tip our cap to him.
as we close out this edition of Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.